Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Great to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. Lots of football talk, a continuing saga involving Aaron Rodgers as he will not attend Packers minicamp. Could Deshaun Watson end up in Denver? Plus, a momentous day in TV history on this day, Thursday, June 10th. We'll tell you why what happened 14 years ago, why it still rattles all those who love American pop culture and the greatest show of all time. We kick it off, though, with Julio Jones, Mike. You said initially, listen, if the Falcons could get a one, they get the one, they trade him. They're not going to get a one, and they didn't. And the Titans do get Julio Jones in a six-rounder, but they're not getting that first. The Falcons are not. They get a second-rounder in 2022, and in 2023, a fourth-rounder. So, Julio gets traded, no first-round pick. A few days later, Sports Illustrated says there was never a first on the table. That's the first part I want to go to, Mike. Why was there not a first-round pick ever offered by any team? Well, you know, I think partly because of his age, his durability, and the contract. I mean, there's some teams, I talked to one team in the league that basically told me in a text that they, the Falcons should be giving us compensation for taking the contract. Now, you know, the average fan hears that and they think, oh my God, that's, that, that's, that's not even close to being accurate. But that, that's ultimately what happened. But I, here's what I would say. So early in the process, the Rams were engaged. The Rams were floating the idea that they would trade Robert Woods to whomever. I don't know. You know, and if they traded Robert Woods to somebody for, you know, a third round pick, then they would trade a future one for Julio because they have to dump the Woods contract to then be able to take the Julio deal on. So I think they kicked that around. It never was a firm offer. It never was. It never was. Hey, look, here's what we're, we're offering you this one. Let us trade Robert and we'll get back to you. No, it was never that. It was concepts. It was ideas. Would you do this? Would you do that? And I think eventually Sean McVay, who I think is headed to Paris to get married here in another couple of weeks. Yeah. He just said, no, we're not. We're not doing that. We're, we're just not going to do that. We're out. And so they, they were out. So there was never a one on the table in spite of the worldwide leaders and that there was, and I'm I'm glad that Sports Illustrated found the story and 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 basically you know said what they said. I appreciate you know it's nice that didn't credit us, but that's nice. I appreciate it. <laughs> Give credit where credits due. The move gives Atlanta nearly 15 million in cap space. That's enough to sign their 2021 draft class and should they become cap compliant. So we'd said that all along, Mike. Listen, Atlanta's got to do it because these financial uh, obligations they're not going to be contending anytime soon. So flip them and get something for them. For the Titans, according to Vegas, they went from 40 to 1 to 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They're now tied with the Colts to win the AFC South. Tannehill's odds to win MVP also go from 40 to 1 to 25 to 1. It sounds simplistic, but how much better are the Titans with Julio Jones? They got him and A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. You got some weapons there. You know, I, I would say this, you know, what, what's that song by David Brett and Gates? If a pitcher paints a thousand words, why can't I? It, the, the Texans, John Robinson, the general manager, he loves if, if. He loves everything he does has, a ca- has to capture it in, if in front of it. If Julio stays healthy, we're going to be much better on offense. If 
Bud Dupree stays healthy. We're going to be really good. You know, we'll get some pass rush, which we did. We had 19 sacks all of last year. Okay. If Khalid Farley's back isn't bad, we're going to at least get one cover guy. If Janaris Jenkins can cover anybody, we're going to be much better. If Kendall Lamb can play right tackle it, or Dylan Ruditz is going to be able to come in and play. I mean, there's so many ifs on this Titan team. And I think the biggest if of all, and maybe one that none of us are looking at, is the if of... Can Derrick Henry continue to be this unbelievable work-like productive ball carrier? Two years ago, when he carried it over 400 times, going back into the history of the NFL, there's only been 31 times a back has carried it over 400 times, and the next year, 29 of those backs failed. They just, they just, they had a flat tire. Now, they, some of them come back, some of them do other things, but the reality of it is is they couldn't really duplicate it. Henry not only duplicated, he became better. You know, he became better. And so that, that's another if. You know, if Henry stays healthy and he's able to duplicate everything he does, then we've got a chance. There's so many ifs on this Tennessee Titans team that I can't begin to count them. But Robertson has, you know, he's taken a lot of heat for his drafting and hasn't drafted well. He'd be probably the first guy to tell you they haven't drafted well. But they've done a good job of winning football games. You know, they've won a lot of games. Credit to Mike Vrabel. But no one realizes how bad they were on defense last year. They were historically bad on defense. They couldn't rush the passer. They couldn't stop the run. And they couldn't cover anybody. Okay? I mean, other than that, they were great. <laughs> other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Um, it's one of those situations, Mike. Yeah. Like I said, if they're tied with the Colts, the Colts, you go, great defense. The question mark is what can Carson Wentz do with Frank Reich on offense? For the Titans, hey, flashy offense, not sure about the defense. So it makes sense, I suppose, that both those teams right now are, are in lockstep in terms of who right, are the Right, best. but if, if you just take, AD, if you just take the if concept, if it, basically the Colts have one if. If Carson Wentz plays well, we'll be really good. Whereas Tennessee has 10 ifs, you know, if this happens, if that happens. And I'm, and I'm not saying Derrick Henry's going to have a bad year. I'm just saying history has said that after one year of 400 carries, you struggle. So if the ifs, when you start calculating the ifs and you get too many ifs, like last year, if Clowney stays healthy, if Vic Beasley comes through for us, if Adoree Jackson comes back off the injury, you know, if Malcolm Butler plays better, if if they get, you know, if our right tackle, if, if Dennis Dennis uh, Kelly, if he plays better, you know, uh, if Corey Davis, but all those, a lot of those ifs, Corey Davis late in the year did, but all those ifs didn't come through. Yeah, exactly. The ifs is really is a big issue. Um, all right, well, one Falcon found a home in Julio Jones. Another Falcon is looking for one. That's Todd Gurley. According to the NFL Network, Gurley visiting the Ravens today looking for a new team after visiting the Lions recently. He would join a crowded backfield. Think about this. you got J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and, of course, Lamar Jackson. The Ravens, as a team, have rushed for over 3,000 in consecutive seasons. Now, Gurley has dealt with knee injuries the past few years, still managed to rush for 21 touchdowns over that span, including nine last season with the Falcons. But you talk about a fall from grace, Mike. Think about with the Rams, what a high-salaried guy he was, thought to be one of the engines of that offense. No, he's hurt. See ya. Goes to the Falcons. You wonder how much he has left in the tank? Think about that. He's only 26 years old. And I'm wondering to myself, how much does he have left in the tank? Is he a part-time running back? What do you see when you see Todd Gurley? I see no burst. I see a guy who's got a knee problem. I see a guy who can't practice. 
I see a guy who's not able to practice. I see a guy who doesn't have the same gears that he had when he was great for the Rams three years ago, four years ago. I see that the doctors were right. As much as you know, we make fun of team doctors all over the place. We say, oh, you know, they screwed this up, they screwed that up. The reality of it is, is they said that that Gurley's knee was problematic, that he wouldn't have a second contract, and the Rams ignored it. The Rams ignored it. They just went ahead and gave him a second contract. And now here's the – and they found out the hard way that the second contract doesn't work. And I feel bad. The kids shouldn't be – I mean, think about where Gurley is compared to where Henry is. I mean, it's just unbelievable how poor – I mean, he was in Detroit. Detroit didn't sign him. I'm sure, Anytime he goes into a building, Gurley, he, he's going to have a hard time passing a physical because nobody's going to want to take on the liability. What fans don't understand is, is because of the worker comp cl- claims in the country and, you know, you take on a bad knee and you know it's a bad knee, you're going to be you're going to get stuck with it one way or the other, whether it's after the season's over or before during the season. And and the injury risk and because of the cap being so tight, I mean, you can't do that. Now, look, you know, the maybe the Ravens are just coming in and trying to figure out what they can do. But I can't imagine Gurley can regenerate that knee power and he can't practice. He can't practice. That's the problem. See, people say, what about Julio Jones? Well, Julio Jones has a hard time practicing because he gets beat up. He's older. And when you don't practice, you don't play as well. I know that doesn't – Allen Iverson would disagree, but that's true. Yeah, we all, we both love actually uh, you as a Sixers fan, me as a fan of uh, loudmouth guards who got the most of their body. But yes, practice does make perfect. So to that end, Mike, we can agree that Gurley is, for lack of a better term, maybe this is indelicate, but damaged goods, right? He's never going to be the guy he once was. So is Baltimore a fit because he's not going to be a number one? He's going to be a complimentary back. Is that the best possible spot for him? A situation where we've already got other running backs who can carry the mail, so to speak? Well, the problem with that is, A.D., is who's playing special teams from the running back group? Like, you just can't have guys that tote the ball. Like, somebody's got to cover kicks. Somebody's got to be a personal protector. Somebody's got to be able to cover, you know, punts. Somebody's got to be able to, to be the wing. On, you know, so if you, you can't dress them. See, as fa- what you have to do is ask the question, if we sign Todd Gurley, can we get him to the game? Can we actually get him to the game? Would we play him over Gus Bradley? Gus Bradley plays five special teams. Would we play him over Justice Hill? Justice Hill plays three special teams, you know? So we're going to sit a guy who plays three special teams, core special teams players, to then bring a guy who doesn't play any special teams. doesn't work. This is where fans don't understand the whole dynamics of, oh, sign Gurley, he would really help the team. Well, he would, but we can't even get him to the game. Somebody's got to cover kicks. Somebody's got to cover kicks. Somebody's got to play in the kicking game from the running back core. It just can't be all defensive players that play in the kicking game. We only dress 46 players. It's a really good point. Never even thought about that. I figured, oh, he's a one-trick pony. It's like in baseball. Oh, well, he's like a, a left-handed reliever, right? Left-handed specialist. Gurley's just there on third downs, whatever it is. But no, you can't just have a guy be a one-trick pony, especially if he is that limited is what you're saying. No doubt. And, and, and then you get, you know he's not going to be able to practice, and then you're carrying him. And when, when he's a vested veteran, so you sign him to a contract, right? And then if once he's on your team the Saturday before the first game, you owe him that contract for the rest of the year. You owe it to him, and you're not going to be able to pay him. You're not going to be able to put him on the active roster. Like, it makes no sense. Like, it's called second-order thinking. Like, most fans don't second-order think. They just want their team to sign this player, right? And understandable. They just want that, right? But, but you have to second-order think. If we do this... 
then this is the cause and effect of that. And how do we project them to get to the game? And it's not about depth. It's not about, we can't have that. We got to have players that can actually participate. Right. That's the key. Guys that can be useful in more than just one capacity. Uh, speaking of a guy who would be useful, still not willing to blink. Aaron Rodgers will not attend Green Bay Packers minicamp. Everyone knows they've got a big rift right now. Jordan Love's now taking first-team reps of the team. Says he's preparing to be the week one starter. He'll be 100% ready once that time comes. So uh, Rodgers has told people close to him, he's not coming back to the Packers. He doesn't want to play for them anymore. We continue this game right now. We'll talk about it every week here on the GM Shuffle. So if you're the Packers, just specific to the Jordan Love part, Mike, how are you preparing your team? Are you, are you telling Jordan Love, hey, man, the ball is yours. Let's go. Or are you looking at Blake Bortles and say, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't give it to him. Uh, you, you know, uh, I would say this. I would say I would, you know, the Oakland Raiders, we used to play, we practiced in Alameda. Our facility was right next to the airport. And, and, and when the Raiders left, I don't know what happened with that building, but there could be a Hall of Fame in Alameda for all the players who were great during OTAs and minicamps. Like we call them the all Alameda team. I mean, they look great. They look tremendous because there's no contact, because it's really not football. It's just drills that people evaluate as if it's football. This guy's really a good player or this guy, you know, and then we don't add in the layer of, well, they're going against the same guys every single day. Like if you're going to watch the corners work out, if you're a scout, you're watching the corners work out, everybody pays attention to the corner, but they don't always pay attention to who he covers. The first play he covers uh, receiver Y. The second play he recovers receiver, he covers receiver Y. The third play he covers receiver, he knows he can cover receiver Y. Like if the coaches don't pick the matchups, then you never really know how good the players are. And practice as much as you need it in terms of evaluation. You know, it always struck me this, AD. Uh, if you go to the senior bowl, let's say, and you're going to watch practice and uh, you know, one team's practicing and they're all doing individual drills. Most scouts probably don't pay attention to it. But the minute they blow the whistle and say, okay, we're going to do a nine-on-seven drill, every it's the only thing that makes scouts leave the buffet table. They leave the buffet table. They come flying over to watch the nine-on-seven drill. And they got their notebooks out and they're taking notes. And they're watching this drill as if it really means something. And I'm sitting there thinking it absolutely means nothing other than evaluating toughness. It's the only thing you could evaluate because it's a drill that is only for run. It's a nine on seven inside run drill. So if you know that as a defensive player, you're going to play the run. You don't have to worry about getting it. You're just going to play the run. You should look good in that drill. It's a toughness drill. So for scouts, you can't evaluate that drill. You can't evaluate seven on seven. You can't really evaluate. You can evaluate the movement. You can evaluate the athleticism, but you can't evaluate the result because you know it's pass. You know it's pass. So this is what happens in these, these camps. People start evaluating players, quarterbacks. You know, I, I was down in Dallas the other day. I was talking to, to Rick Goslin, the, the, the former writer of, uh, of the Dallas Morning News, and he's a, Hall of Fame, he's a Hall of Fame voter, and we were talking about my next book, and, and he made a great point to me. He said, you know, he said so often that, uh, you know, we, we lose sight of the fact that these quarterbacks today – they're playing longer because they don't get hit. I mean, back in the day, Unitas got the shit kicked out of them. Star got the sh Star was sacked nine times in the in, in the ice bowl. I mean, they got the living dog shit beat out of them. You go near a quarterback now, you, you can't even touch them. 
And so it's these nine these practices are the same thing. No one can touch anybody. So how do you really know until you see until you see Jordan Love get fucking run over by a defensive lineman and have to get up, kind of put his mouthpiece in, take the take the eight count, you know, spit into the spit into the into the bucket, you know, and then run and call the next play. You have no idea. I can't wait for the number of stories. Jordan Love looks great. Wow. I mean, everyone is saying he's ready to be the number one quarterback. If Rodgers doesn't want to come back, I got to tell you, Jordan Love is light years ahead of where we thought he'd be. He looks like a five-year veteran. That's how good he looks right now at minicamp. Mike, you know those stories are coming. You just have to roll your eyes when you see him. Oh, it's like, I know. I love this one. Mitchell Trubisky looks great. My man Bill told me the other day, he's driving home from, he's driving home from, he has a, his job up in Connecticut. So he's driving home. He's got ESPN radio on the worldwide leader. He's listening to the worldwide leader and somebody comes on the, and talking about football on the worldwide leader. I don't know who it was. Bill never told me, but said, you know, the, the bears are going to rue the day that they let, they let Mitchell Trubisky go. He's no. still, he's doing great in practice. No, Seriously. <laughs> That that I mean, is a laughable. That's a laughable I statement. I mean, you could just, you could just, you could just. They're all laughable, Ad. They just, it, it's just all talk. It's it's like this. It, this doesn't mean anything. It means nothing until we get pads on. Till we play football, the game of football against competition, where it's run and pass, where it's we have to read and decipher, we have to think and go. Yeah, it's uh, it's just ridiculous. When we come back. Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater fighting for the starting job in Denver. Could we see Deshaun Watson in that mix? We'll discuss next on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, Deshaun Watson's career remains in a bit of limbo right now. Legal issues playing out. He remains away from the Texans. If and when he's about to be traded, according to his former teammate, he does have a place in mind. This is former Texans teammate, current Broncos DB Kareem Jackson, who went on a Keep Talib's podcast and Watson wants to be in Denver. I've been talking in the last couple of weeks. All he's been telling me is, look, just tell them that's where I want to be. I want to be in Denver. Hasn't been much credible reporting on where Watson wants to play. Some believe Miami is his ideal destination. Could be interest with the Eagles. Aaron Rodgers also rumored potentially to Denver. How about it, Mike? Uh, you and I both agree. Deshaun Watson's not getting traded anytime soon. you got to wait for these legal issues to play out. But what do you think of the potential fit in Denver? 
I reported, I think I did it on the GM shuffle, that the two teams that were, he was most interested in were San Francisco and Denver. So this makes perfect sense. This is what I've been hearing all along, that he wants to go to Denver. And, you know, and, and, and the reason I think that Miami was a destination, because Miami had all those draft picks. So if you traded him before the draft, you know, to, to, to Miami – they had a bunch of arsenal to give back to Houston to make it worthwhile. But, you know, I think he's making a huge mistake, A.D. I think he's making a huge mistake not coming to camp. I think it's really on him. I think if he shows up there, he doesn't get fined. He collects his money. He goes through it. You know, he goes through the offense. He goes through. He forces their hand. He forces their hand. You know, and it, now what does the commissioner do? How does he react to the 22 charges, uh, the civil charges that were filed? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough details about the case. But what does he do? And then what do the Texans do? Do they trade him at this point? You know, I, I don't know. So I think by him sitting out, he's doing everybody a favor. He's basically saying, I'm done. I, I, I don't, no one has to take any action. And all it's going to do is cost, it will cost him his, his guarantees in his contract. And he'll have to start paying back money, and he'll get fined. How about this, then? Denver, as I said, Rodgers, there's some interest there, too. Suppose, and this is a big hypothetical, but Deshaun Watson gets cleared of all charges. You're the GM. Michael Lombardi's running the Broncos. You're John Elway. 25-year-old Deshaun Watson, 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers. I think it's a no-brainer you take Watson simply because of age, and the Broncos aren't going to win anytime soon. Right. But correct me if I'm wrong. Watson or Rodgers, who are you taking? I I would definitely take Watson. But, I mean, I would not turn my nose to Rodgers knowing he could play two or three, four more years, you know, and maybe I could get him on a cheaper price than I could Deshaun. They're probably going to want a, a King's Ransom. They'll probably want a King's Ransom. I don't think Green Bay trades – I don't think they trade Rodgers. I think they'll just say to Rodgers, look, retire. And if you retire, start paying us back the money. I think we really don't understand that the players – the players, I'm not anti-players because I worked in management, but there are rules in place. The players negotiated a collective bargaining agreement. And in that collective bargaining agreement gave the teams, because the players and the, and the teams agreed, that they didn't want any holdouts. So there's language, there's strong language in these deals that prevent you from, that, that, that encourage you not to hold out. Now, it's not that way in the NBA. They, they can't find players. They can't get signing bonus money back. It's just different. And we're comparing an apple to an apple, and it's not. And so, you know, Rogers says, hey, I don't want to play. Okay, fine, Aaron, you don't want to play. Then you are retired. File your retirement papers and then send the check here to this address. Now, I know that sounds cold-hearted, but, you know, tell me why, why is it? It's a business. We're not. This isn't like high school football. I want to transfer to uh, to Northeast. I don't want to play at Northwest. Like seriously, we're we're talking about this is a business. We gave you a huge check. We gave Deshaun Watson a huge check. You signed the contract. Now I, I I understand things change. I get it. I understand that. But the reality of it is, is you signed it. You got to play. The, and not because I say you have to play. It's because your union, your union, collectively bargained these rules. And if I don't use these rules to the advantage, then there's chaos all over. Then everybody's going to hold out. We did this for the integrity of the game because it didn't look good for players to hold out. We don't want a sport where guys are holding out. And the union agreed. And that's... 
that's the key here is the union did agree. So you ultimately you go, hey, listen, I know you're pissed about the situation, Aaron, but you're going to pay back a lot of money. And that's where it gets tricky. And that's why I want to get into more money right now. This is Juwan James Mike filing a $15 million grievance against the Broncos. The Broncos terminated the contract to James when he suffered an Achilles injury away from the team's facility during an offseason workout. So by rule, the team is allowed to do that. That created an additional $10 million in salary cap for the Broncos this season. Now that money is being contested. James has filed a grievance against the team seeking all his $10 million salary for the year, plus $5 million that would have been guaranteed in 2022. So take us through the situation, Mike, specifically the cap space that Denver has now that the grievance is filed. Okay, so here's what's very clear about the rules. The NFI category is called non-football-related injury. So what it basically is in place for is if a player, once the player leaves the facility, he has a duty towards his club and towards himself to stay healthy, okay? You know, maybe you don't put a don't ski clause in the contract, but the NFI rule takes care of that because if you blow your knee out skiing, the club doesn't have to pay you. Any injury, and it's specifically written, any injury that occurs outside of the building, outside of the building, whether it's football-related or not, whether it's at the local's gold gym, whether it's jogging on the beach, whether it's you know doing whatever you do, Pilates, any injury you suffer away from under our supervision, it's classified as non-football-related injury. And non-football-related injury means simply this. The club does not have to pay the player. It can play the player or it could not play the player. Okay, so you can say, okay, goodbye, you're gone. Now, here's what's really interesting. The union, the collectively bargained union that negotiated the non-football rule, non-football injury rules, they're not handling this grievance. He's trying to file this grievance outside of the union. It's going to be very challenging to do that when you have a collective bargain group to fight outside the collective bargaining. This is, this is why you collectively bargain, so individuals can't make up the rooms as they go along. So for me, this is the reason why if you're a player and you have a good contract, you should be at the facility. You should be there because if you stub your toe and you miss eight weeks of the season, they can't cut you. They can't cut you. you the injury occurred here. If you have hemorrhoids and you can't play for five months, you know, that, that's, you got the hemorrhoids taking a, dump in the, taking a dump in the facility. There it is. <laughs> I like the fact using the hemorrhoids as an example. Uh, so ultimately, Mike, listen, does he have a shot at winning this? Like, how does it all play out? No, he has no shot. He Because he, he's, he's trying to go outside the collective bargaining agreement. There's no judge. I mean, the judge would simply look at the case. And I'm not a judge, but he would say, you're a union member, correct? Yes. The, you've collectively bargained an agreement. Yes. Then go to your union and file this, file this complaint. But well, the union won't do it because they know we can't win it. Well, that, 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 what are you doing in my court? Yeah. Um, listen, he recently signed a two-year deal with the Ravens, $9 million. So Harbaugh says it's possible he returns this season. I'm both lines this. Would you take a flyer on him like they just did? The Ravens suffer a pretty serious injury, especially for an offensive lineman. I wouldn't. I would have done it. I mean, I, I, look, I think he's a nice player. I, don't, I wouldn't take that risk. You know, I, I wouldn't have done this. I don't think I would have. I, I, I think it's, you know, it could prove to be really smart on their part. It could prove to be really smart on their part to take a flyer on them to see what, the, what, he, what they can do with them. But I don't think I would have done that. Yeah, you roll the dice. Not necessarily something that you would do. One more here. Then we're going to take a quick break. Come talk and talk about Jamie Newman. And also, remembrances of the late Jim Fossil. The 49ers canceling the entire offseason due to injuries. I'm going to repeat that. 
the entire offseason due to injuries, okay? They were the most injured team in 2020, and they're continuing that trend. Running back Jeff Wilson, torn meniscus back in May. Monday, they lost both offensive lineman Justin School to a torn ACL and safety Tarverius Moore to a torn Achilles. So out of an abundance of caution, and we've heard that term a lot in the last year, right? Someone gets a positive COVID test out of an abundance of caution, the game's been canceled. Well, in this case, out of an abundance of caution, head coach Kyle Shannon said he's canceling the rest of the offseason. OTAs, minicamp, all of it. We're totally done, he said. Maybe I'm overreacting, Mike, but that seems like a pretty bold statement. I know injuries are part of the game. you got to protect your guys, but just shutting it down? What do you think? Well, I think it hurts the young players you got to develop, right? I, I, I get where he's coming from. You know, he doesn't want to he, – he said he was only going to go one more practice. In his mind, whether this is true or not, I don't know. He was only going to go one more practice, and, that, and then he was going to shut it down. So he, in his mind, instead of going 12, he was going to go eight, but he only went seven. I think, to me, we don't have enough time to develop the young talent. And I think this hurts a kid like Trey Lance. I mean, it hurts him. In the, you know, he needs all the reps he can get. You know, he needs all their young players need to get better. And it's a challenge. But, you know, I don't think it's because of, you know, look, there's injuries that happen. It's just part of the business we've chosen. I mean, it is. Maybe you look at your strength coach. Maybe you look at some of the things you're doing in the training. I don't know. But the reality of it is, is these young players, they need to get reps. If I were John... If I were John Lynch, I would say, look, Kyle, I get I get we're concerned, but we need these guys need all the work they can get. And you can say, well, we can get it at training camp. Yeah, yeah, we can get it at training camp. The problem is we're limited on two and a half hours out of the practice field. We can't get it at training camp. In the old days, we could. We bring the rookies in for 10 days and work their asses off. Can't do that anymore. And that means that, listen, I get the fact that to be protective of stuff. When you see a team has that many injuries, Mike, what is your first thought? Fire the training staff? Is it poor practicing? Is it the players? Is it roster construction? I know it's all those things. But what's your first thought? If you're managing a team and you go, damn it, why do we keep getting so many guys injured year after year? I think you start right with your scouting department. Like, Are we signing guys that have history of injuries? You basically have to do an autopsy. You've got to go through every single department and find out what's going on here. And, 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 and basically, you've got to understand where's the problem and see if you can solve the problem. Are we not stretching enough? Are we not hydrating enough? Are the players going out? You know, I mean, we've had a torn ACL and a torn Achilles to, to various more. Had torn, I mean, those are just things that happen. You know, torn ACL, those happen. I don't know if you can prevent that. It's the great Belichick line of all time. You know, if you tell me what play the player is going to get hurt, I'll keep him out of the game. You know, it's like, we just don't know. I mean, some of these injuries just happen because they happen. It's just part of the business. Yeah, sometimes you just shrug and appreciate, but you're right. You have to look for answers. And right now, Kyle Shan saying, you know what? I'm not taking any chances. We're just not going to do it. Coming up next, Jamie Newman. Hello, Newman. Once one of the top quarterback prospects now weighed by the Eagles. We offer remembrances to the late Jim Fossil. And yes, the Sopranos finale 14 years ago today, Made in America. We'll dive deep. Well, it's been a wild ride for former Wake Forest quarterback Jamie Newman. He transferred to Georgia as a graduate transfer before the 2020 season, was slated to start for the Bulldogs for opting out due to COVID-19 concerns. Instead of coming back, he declared for the 2021 NFL Draft when undrafted signed with the Eagles as a free agent before being waived yesterday. He was rated as one of the top quarterbacks heading into the 2020 season, a bright future ahead of him. In 2019 at Wake Forest, he had completions over 60% of his passes, over 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns and 11 picks. This is something you want to dive into, Mike. What happened to Jamie Newman? 
I think bad advice. I mean, he, he transferred from Wake Forest. He did a great job at Wake Forest. He was a hot commodity. Goes to Georgia, uh, which was a really a great decision. I thought, oh, my gosh, this will give Georgia a legitimate quarterback. And, and then he gets to Georgia, and he says, look, I don't want to play because of the COVID. I get that. But then he goes to the Senior Bowl, and he was a disaster. And since then, it's been all downhill. I mean, uh, one of the prop bets in this year's draft I, I told everybody to bet was I think Jamie Newman was uh, over under 161. It was easily over. He didn't get drafted. And I just think sometimes these kids make bad decisions. I think sometimes they have this perception of where they are in their careers in college when it's not real reality. And I would urge all of you, if you're listening to this, and anybody who's an agent that listens, I mean, make sure, you know, you really understand it. Now, look, if the kid didn't want to come in because of COVID and he was scared, I get that. I understand that. There's nothing you could do about it. But he didn't even make it to the – he didn't make it to training camp. The Eagles gave him a bonus and they cut him already. I mean, so there's something, there's something wrong. Either we misevaluated him at Wake Forest and he's just not good enough or, you know, there's something that's happened over the year of missing football. And now you start to wonder yourself, what's next? Like you said, he was in demand. Now the Eagles cut him. Uh, we've seen guys take a year off due to COVID concerns. That so you start to wonder how that does that impact their ability? Like, where does Newman find a job now? What does he do? They, they don't find one. He's going to hope the XFL, the USFL. He's going to hope for a league to come back. Yeah, he's going to hope somebody you know because he nobody drafted him. He's got to hope somebody will bring him in for a tryout. You're right. Uh, my first thought was CFL because it's always like, well, I'll just go find some other football leagues. You're right. XFL, CFL. You got to. Yeah, no doubt. Just got to go up there. He's got to prove he can play. Yeah, just keep playing somewhere. Uh, we'll do, get into the Sopranos season finale in just a second. 14 years ago today. But some sad news from the world of football as Jim Fossil passed away somewhat suddenly. He was being treated in a Las Vegas hospital with chest pains. He coached the Giants from 97 to 03, 58-53-1 record. He won Coach of the Year in 97 brought the Giants to the Super Bowl in 01 where they lost the Ravens. And lots of people pouring in with praise. Tiki Barber, Michael Strahan. Remember that great quote when he said, this team is going to the playoffs. And he guaranteed they'd go and they had that great run. Uh, clearly a well-liked man. Mike, did you have any interactions with Jim Fossil over the years? Yeah, quite a few. You know, knew Jim really well. I mean, he was a West Coast guy, was part of the Bill Walsh Mafia. I've known him since then. And, you know, it just I, I've not kept in touch with him, unfortunately. And it's just, you know, 71 years old is way too early. You know, he had a winning record in the NFL, but never got another head coaching job. Tried, got fired as the offensive coordinator in Baltimore. And I think that just did his career in. I'm going to write a piece a little bit about that. I think sometimes, and, I, and I'm not saying this for Jim, and may, may he rest in peace, but I think oftentimes when people become a head coach and they have to go back to being a coordinator, and I think Jason Garrett's the perfect example of this, is you, you've got to really prove that you have the skills to do that job. And, you know, unfortunately for Jim, he went with Brian Billick, one of his closest friends, and it just wasn't working in Baltimore. They had to make a move. But I think anybody in life, if you get demoted and you have another chance to do the job that you excelled in, you have to do you have to go back. I think the greatest thing we can learn from Mickelson is his ability. What he said was and I wrote this for the Daily Coach. What he said was, I had to get my body in shape so that I could practice as hard as I have ever did. I think if you get fired or demoted, if you're a coach at college and you're a head coach at, at, at a school and now you have to become a defense coordinator at another school, you know, you've got to take that job as if you've never coached before because you've got to prove to people that you can do it and you're really going to be better at it than ever. 
You just can't rely on your head coach. Ah, oh, I'm a head coach. You know, I've been a head coach. No, you got to start from ground zero. And I think as we mourn Jim's death, the lesson to learn is, you know, your career could really fit. I mean, if J- Jason Garrett doesn't have a good season this year with the J- Giants offense, it's not going to be Daniel Jones's fault. It's going to be his. That's going to be his. His career's at a crossroad this year. He's not going to get any head coaching interviews. Now, if he goes in there and he becomes the Roo to the guru, all of a sudden he'll start to get some interviews. Yeah, that's how it works. Once you get a little juice going, things change up. But you're right. For Jim Fossil, a shame he never got another head coaching job. Of course, we wish the best to him and his family. As always, send us your mailbag questions to the GM Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. Want to get in one question here? This is from Kevin in Myrtle Beach. Mike, the NFL is saying they now want to start playing games in Germany in 2022 or 2023. I understand wanting to expand the game to new international markets, but players have said the international travel is brutal, and owners and fans especially hate losing a home game. Do you think it's a good idea? Imagine imagine our man Musburger on the call. You are looking live from Hamburg, Germany. What do you think? I think Germany loves NFL football. I think we need to be in Germany. I think if you look at the World League when it was – the World League, I think, had four teams in Germany. The fans there love it. They absolutely love it. And, you know, look, I agree. It's hard on the players, and it's hard on the fans losing a home game. But I think the, the, the game has to expand, and if the players want to continue to grow and these franchises continue to go up in value and the salary cap continues to expand – the way to do that is by expanding the marketplace. And look, I don't want to. I would love to go, you know, for a week and spend time in Vienna. You know, I think that would be awesome. You know, I would work for the Vienna team if they had an opening. I'd be right there. But I think the reality of it is, is Germany loves NFL football, Kevin. They do. They really love it. And and I think the reason the NFL wants to go there is because the NFL knows that. And the, I didn't like the World League idea being over there, the European League, because the players were too far from home and. Teams couldn't get over there to see them and make sure they're players. But I do like the idea of playing a game over there. Give the players the week off. We've got 17 weeks. You know, bring their families over there, do whatever. But I think you have to satisfy the market that wants you. And I think there's clearly Germany wants NFL football. Something to be said for trying to expand the game. And certainly, as you said, the fact that four teams is crazy. They love their football over in Germany, particularly when it comes to the NFL. And now to the moment of truth. The Sopranos finale made in America aired on this date 14 years ago. Think about that. Where were you watching the greatest television show of all time? And then collectively, everyone gasped. And a lot of people said, wait, my cable just went out. What the hell is this? I didn't say that, Mike. I was watching with one of my best friends, Jeff Lovelock, and I was pissed. And he, and he thought it was the cable. And I said, no, no, damn it. I knew David Chase would do this. One of these artistic decisions, open-ended ending. I said, no, I wanted resolution and I was angry for about a, maybe two days. And then I woke up and I said, are you kidding me? What a brilliant ending. Any other show uh, would do it so close-ended. Either he gets whacked and in an homage to the Godfather, right? Guy goes to the bathroom, members only jacket comes out, or he lives a happy, idyllic life. No, David Chase and the Sopranos took chances. These guys are brave. These guys are courageous. An open-ended ending, and sure, it was vilified. People hated it. But I think over time, people appreciate just how gutsy it was and how risky it was and how smart it was. Your reaction when you first saw it and how you think about it now. Well, I was with uh, 
our friends Pat Nolan and Bernadette Millie's best for our bet, one of our closest friends. And we were living in and it was working for the Raiders. We were living in Berkeley at the time. We were over. I called him Joey the Toast because every time I was, every time he was there, he was always toasting something. So we were at his house. I think or I think we we're at his house or somebody's house. There was a bunch of us there, and. I didn't know what to make of it. But now that I think about it, I, I, I liked it. I, I, the question I have for all the people that say he got whacked is simply this. Who ordered the hit? Right. And that's, the, that's why I don't think he gets whacked. Who would have done it? Phil's dead. Who would have hit him? I mean, I mean, they made peace with New York. They whacked Phil. And, you know, like, like uh, he said, uh, you, you do what you got to do. You know, when they went to whack, I can't tell you where it is, but you do what you got to do. So he, had, he solved that. New York was solved. I mean, little Carmine wasn't going to order it. Who ordered the hit? That's where I have the hardest problem. Now, do I think he's in jail? Yeah, I think that, you know, that, that uh, Carmine uh, really, you know, when they found out he went, he went south, you know, I think that was, that's going to be a problem for Tony because Tony just promoted him. You know, he chopped off uh, – What's his face? His head. Uh, the guy. The guy. Remember the guy that came over and they stabbed him. He was making fun of. Uh, he was making oh, fun of uh, Vito. Fat, fat Dom yeah. is that his name? Coke. Yeah. Fat Dom. You know he stuffed Fat Dom's head up in white plains or wherever the hell he did it. You know, like uh, I, I mean, Tony's gonna. Tony's not gonna survive that one. There's that's a that as 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 they said in The Godfather, uh, the, they had they had a direct link. There was no buffer in that one. You know, so. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, my question is simply who ordered the hit. And I can't believe that that was a hit. I mean, I think the more I watch it and I have watched it repeatedly, I think he tied everything up. I think the only thing we have left to decide is how many years Tony got in jail and what's Carmela doing. I mean, we know Janice is going to become a lawyer. She's got a she married. She got a guy. We know that Roe and, and, Car- and Carmen are going to have to hang out because they're both basically because he's going to have to go to jail, you know. And we know that uh, AJ is, is still screwed up no matter what happens. So, like, what, what wasn't tied together? We didn't know where the Russian is, but you got to believe the Russian's dead. The guy threw his head off. So, like, I, I don't feel as empty as people said he didn't tie it up. I think he's in jail, yeah, and the way he ratcheted up tension there, Mike, it was just incredible the way David Chase was able to do that. I mean, that watching that episode, it was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? And he's toying with us, right? He's toying with all the conventions. Guys like you and me who have seen gangster shows and movies our whole life, we're thinking it's like the Godfather. Guys go in the bathroom. Here we go. But instead, as David Chase has said, he was trying to show the heightened sense of what Tony Soprano goes through. This is his life. You're living in a constant state of paranoia that somebody could whack you. That doesn't mean he got whacked. It just shows this is his reality. Every single time that door opens, that chime comes, you're looking up, not sure this is the end. No, I, I think that's so true because when I'm watching the Underground Railroad, right, like you could talk about slavery. You can talk about all the stuff that, that the inhumane things that happened. But what you really never quantify until you watch the Underground Railroad is the actual everyday, the pressure of if you escaped, is someone's coming to hunt you down. And bring you back to a world you want to live in. And when you're watching the Underground Railroad on Amazon, I feel that tension. It's exhausting. I can only I couldn't even imagine what it would be like for the people that had to endure that. 
And so what I think you're saying is so true. He wanted to create what Tony goes through every single day, that who's coming around the corner, who might whack me, who's coming from this angle. But Tony does such a good job of understanding who his enemies were. There was nobody in his immediate family of the, of the bosses that was in danger, that was going to come get him, right? No one was there. I mean, Sills in the hospital. Paulie doesn't want to take over. There was no underlings. Bobby's dead. Right. I mean, Janice is kind of she's you know, she's not going to come shoot him. And then the other thing I want to ask this is what mafia hit sits patiently and has a cup of coffee. <laughs> That's a great point. No one's doing that. Like, who does that? They come in guns a blazing. Yeah. I mean, when when Sonny got killed at the toll plaza, I mean, once he paid, which is hilarious, the fact that he paid. Right. You know, think about that. <laughs> Sonny paid to not go through. He doesn't even get a refund on the goddamn money. I mean, he handed the guy the money. The guy ducked and 75 guys show up with machine guns to whack his ass. Right. Like, like, think about it. Like, what are we talking about? Like, who sits there, has a cup of coffee, maybe have a little Danish, you know, maybe have some onion rings. Oh, now I'm going to come up and shoot him. I'm coming guns a blazing, man. Yeah, no, no one's waiting around to get that done. Another theory, which I do think is very popular among a certain artistic segment of the population, when Tony is looking around, it's always from his POV, his point of view. So he looks up, you know, he sees the door open, he sees Meadow at the end. That last shot is from our point of view, meaning we are looking at Tony, and then the camera cuts to black. So some have said, David Chase is saying, no, Tony doesn't get whacked. We get whacked. The audience gets whacked. You're going to go cut to black. Yep. The story's over from your point of view. I like that theory, too. I think that's true. I think he just said enough. You know, we're done. This is it. Now, whatever you want to do with Tony, I think Tony had to go to jail. I think Tony's in Marion. You know, I think he's in the same place John Gotti was there. You know, I think he's in trouble. I mean, he's too much shit on his plate. I don't think Neil could get him out of it. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. Do I think he's in the one in Colorado? No, I don't think he's in the maximum security in Colorado, but I think he's in Marion. Yeah, Edie Falco told the story recently, of course, she played Carmella, that when the Knicks were trying to recruit LeBron James, they asked him to do a little video. And she goes, there's no way Jim will do it. And sure enough, they go, no, he's in it. And she's like, what? Gandolfini's in? She's like, yeah, Jim said he'll do it. And I haven't seen the video. I'm pretty sure you can look it up online, but apparently it's uh, it's Tony and Carmella living in witness protection. And they're like trying to convince LeBron to go to the Knicks. I, like, it, it's ridiculous. So at least Carmella, Edie Falco, his theory is that Tony ends up flipping and they're in uh, witness protection. That's her thought. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't see Tony as a flipper. I think he was, you know, I think from the opening scene when he's laying there, I wanted to be in on this thing from the ground floor, you know, and, and I think he had too much respect to flip. I think he's got his ducks in order. I mean, remember he gave Neil all that money, $400,000 to hold after the, on the map of Alacqua. It Look, when Carmela comes here, give her everything. If she wants it all, which she won't do, you give it to her all, right? Like he had it all laid out. Like there's so many clues in the in the show that tells you that you know I think he had to go to jail. Now could he? I think he. You know what do they literally have on him? I mean, what don't they have on him? I mean, you know they they have pretty much everything. Could could they tie the Bevilacqua thing to him? Maybe. You know he didn't kill Fat Dom, so he's not in that. But the, all the other shit he's in, Lobistics, robistics he's in. I mean, you know, little. Uh, I mean, what's his face? Uh, you know, all that stuff with the union. The asbestos, I mean, he's all racketeering. I mean, he's good. And you know, Paulie, if Paulie's going to take over, he's going to have to take care of Carmelo as much as he doesn't want to. 
Yeah, that's a good point, Paulie, because you know how cheap he is. Can you imagine him scrounging together a few dimes to give to Carmella? <laughs> Just ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for checking out the GM Shuffle. If you haven't, what's wrong with you? Go back and watch all the Sopranos, and then you can watch Made in America, the episode that Mike and I are speaking about 14 years ago. Just an incredible episode. Uh, we're going to continue to have fun here at the GM Shuffle. we got some guests coming up, more off-season conversation, more water cooler talk. Last thought as we leave you, Mike, how about your Sixers? Joel Embiid in the MVP conversation. Sixers right now looking pretty good. You know, I, I was I was in Dallas. We had a daily coaches meeting, so I was talking to the great coach Raveling, and and he says you can't watch a game with Jerry West because Jerry's always kind of, uh, you know, he's always so emotional and doesn't always thinks the world's coming to an end. And I think that happens when you're in this industry. Like I've never been in a game for any team that I wasn't constantly playing in my head how we were going to lose the game. I mean, when the Sixers were up 18 the other day, I'm thinking how we're going to lose this game. Like, there's a there's a way we're going to lose this goddamn game. So I'm happy they're doing better. I just, you know, AD, I love the uniform. I just hate we're not mentally tough. That's my biggest problem. I hate that we're not mentally tough. And I think you've got to be mentally tough to win championships in the NBA. You've got to be able to dig deep at critical times in games and really, really sell your soul to win it. And I think sometimes I just don't know if they have that mentality. Series tied up right now. The Hawks at 1-1. We'll talk about it more as it continues. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. Enjoy the football. We'll talk to you next time here on the GM Shuffle.